Welcome to the Business Done Differently podcast, where we believe whatever is normal, do the exact opposite, and that standing out is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Today's guest has fired me up from afar after hearing his story over two years ago on a podcast. He's the high-performance coach who's worked with world-class performers, Olympic athletes, top CEOs, MLB players, and today even a guy in a yellow tuxedo. His book, Alter Ego Effect, is an absolute game-changer, and I am so pumped to welcome the one and only Todd Herman to the show. Dude, I'm taking you as my traveling promoter, so thank you for that. Super excited to be here. Big fan of everything that you do, so... uh we are uh, kindred spirits with the stuff that we talk about. No, I appreciate it. And I would love to be a promoter because I don't even know if you know the origin of the Yellow Tux and how this all like fits into what you're doing. Like, So when I heard what you were saying to yours, I was like, yes, like this is it. So I'd love to share with you my origin of how it happened. And then you can Do share it. a little bit your origin. Yeah. So it was almost eight years ago. And at our ballparks, it was just about having a baseball game, right? A regular baseball game. I was like, we can't put on just a baseball game. We have to be different or we're going to fail. So yeah. I read every book on P.T. Barnum I could. Oh. And I was like, all right, I love this guy. And before the movie came out, I followed everything. I was like, all right, before our first game in our 2010 season, I was like, I got to go all out. I can't be putting on the show dressed up like everyone else, like a regular polo, like a regular. So I was like, I'm going all out. So I get yeah. my buddy to get a black tuxedo with full tails, huge top hat. And the first game taught it was 102 degrees. And I almost melted, man, like literally just melting. I was like, this does not work at all. So I was like, all right, I still got to find it. I like it. So I searched online, brightcoloredtuxedos.com. It actually exists. I found no the yellow tuxedo, put it on for the next game and I wore it and it just took off. And like people were like pictures and it was like, it was like, this is it. And I, yeah. was on, I was on the field and I was like, just going all out, just getting the fans dancing and the fans singing. I was like, this is it. So go through the whole season. People start calling. Hey, is the yellow tux guy there? We want the yellow tux guy to MC our event. Can the yellow tux Brilliant. guy? So it wasn't even me. It was the yellow tux guy. And then it's kind of yeah. channeled into this thing. And now eight, nine years, it's been my thing. But I put it on and I tell myself I'm on stage. It's showtime. Yeah. And yeah. for you, sports guys, I played college baseball. Yeah. I look at it as like, this is my uniform. You know, mm -hmm. there's a difference when you're practicing. But when you're wearing this, hey, it's showtime. And yeah. that's, that's who I am. So when I, I mentioned that because it, it'll tie into maybe some stuff we'll talk about later, but like when you put that suit on for the first time, what did you feel it allowed you to go and do now? I mean, I immediately said, all right, no holding back. And so yeah. I actually went in PT Barnum, like how would you put on a show that you're going to be over the top, big smiles, throw things yeah. out in the crowd. It just wasn't Jesse anymore. It was a different yeah. persona doing it. And so that's exactly what happened, going from that ordinary world to extraordinary world and everything that we'll talk about in a bit. But yeah, and now and we'll go later, but now it's kind of that cross of two worlds. Like right now, you're Todd. You're not Richard. You're mm -hmm. Todd. So I'd like for you to go into your origin story and how you've now kind of maybe transferred, kind of like what I'm doing right now as well. Well, give me a second while I do that. Um, <laughs> Richard, so uh, he's putting on his glasses yeah. right now for everyone who's listening. Yes, sir. So. Yeah, we'll get into a whole stuff around alter ego, but yeah, so I played sports at a high level too. I played college football. I was a national ranked badminton player. Sports was just probably like you when you were younger. It was just my life. It, everything revolved around what season was it in, what season was it, and what sport was I playing, or how many sports could I play? And I grew up on a big farm and ranch in Western Canada, so and I'm a huge extrovert and loved sports. So any chance I could get to get off of and out of working on the farm, I wanted to participate in any sport. 
So, uh, but I'm not like a physically gifted person. I'm not like six foot four and 245 pounds of solid muscle. I, I, had a, I struggled to put on weight when I was a teenager. And when you're playing football, you can't use it as your excuse when you're swimming in your shoulder pads. And, but like inside, I felt like I was like a beast. Like I just did. Like I had that. And it's maybe it's some of that was I was uh, the third boy. I had two older brothers. And so I had to fight kind of for everything. I had this bit of a gritty personality. And I created a persona that would go onto the football field with me. Now, even the way that you said it, where you said like, you know, I wasn't Jesse anymore. I was this. Reality is language really matters in this idea for people. And just talked about this for such a long time. So many people are averse to the term faking it till you make it. They've heard it. People have said it. Even successful people have used that term. Hey, I was like, just faking it till you make it. And they're saying it because they don't have a better way of really languaging what they mean. And it's such a cliche. So they're just sort of latching onto it because they know that's an existing idea that people understand. But that's really not what's happening. You're not really faking it. What you're doing is you're suspending the disbelief or you're suspending the identity that you're currently acting through that you currently associate with the most. And you're acting through a new side of yourself. Everything is still you. It's just you're allowing yourself to play with a new idea of what you can be, which is the PT Barnum. Like the PT Barnum you is already inside of you. Actually, the PT Barnum is in all of us. It's just that we flex the muscle of our repetitive identity every single day that when we see a PT Barnum or we see you go, oh, I could, uh, Jesse could do that, but I couldn't do that. No, 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 no. Jesse allowed himself to play with a new idea. And when he did that, he allowed this amazing gift that we're given as human beings, which is our creative imagination, to now play into a new idea. This idea, and again, like to anyone who is completely unknown to those people that are out there, I work with some of the most elite human beings on the planet, some of the top athletes on the planet, people that are, have extraordinarily hard and tough exteriors. I work with executives here, and I mean, I live here in New York City. I work with CEOs and top-level public figures around the globe. And I say that not as like, it's not a bragging thing, but what I'm trying to get across is that they use this idea. And it's actually a very much a common wheeze. If there's something that's better than other people, is they allow themselves and their creative imagination to help them win more than other people do. Most people get stuck in a narrative and a story about what they can and cannot do. And they let that rule their life. And that's what I love. I mean, I was, the moment I met you, I was like, this guy's drinking from the same Kool-Aid as me. Like, it, <laughs> It's so good. Just a little bit more so over it, the top. <laughs> yeah, just a little well, a little more over the top. But I mean, we need more of you up there. We do. I mean, life is challenging. There's obstacles in there. And so when you have someone who comes along and they're like, they're way more playful with it. They don't take themselves so seriously. That's the great gift I think that you're giving people is that. Like you're allowing other people to have more fun at your park than other parks. Well, that's the goal. But I appreciate it. I mean, but basically it's, it's amplifying potentially the best part of you. It's amplifying. Exactly. It's, it's all in us. And I think that's faking it. I'm not being real. No, no, it's all in us. And so that's where I want to go a little bit. I mean, hopefully everyone reads the book. It's a game changer, but go a little bit from the beginning when you not hopefully just go read the book because I'm not done until every human being on the planet has read the book. So at some point in time, you're going to be buying the book. Might as well be now rather than later, because what's going to happen later is you're going to say, oh, why didn't I pick up this book sooner? Because it smashes a lot of paradigms that people operate through that personal development, self-help, the leadership world out there has given people. 
as um, almost traps yes. because they're regurgitating a lot of stuff from the past. These people are not practitioners. Like I work with people one-on-one, yes. like one-on-one, 17,000 hours of working with people. And when you're crawling between the six inches of people's ears, you really get to see what the top people are doing different than the people who are also RANs or just about performing at a high level. And that mindset side of things, like I'm, I'm sort of peeling back the curtains on what people are actually thinking about. Plus, all the science as to why all this stuff works in there. Yeah, it works. And I want to go a little bit like, yeah, it's the fear. It's a lot of times it's the fear. It's these moments of impact in ordinary world versus extraordinary world. I thought the way you yeah. you broke it down was great. Can you give kind of a version, maybe go from either you or someone that went through that someone understands a little yeah. bit how this works? First, let's use a, someone that everyone already knows as an example. And that would be Beyonce. Because people have heard of Sasha Fierce before. <laughs> or if you haven't, then you're going to hear it now. Or Black Bumba. <laughs> so Beyonce, arguably one of the great careers in music, whether you like her music or not, you got to still stand back and say, okay, amazing career that the person's had. And uh, so Beyonce grew up in Houston, Texas, in a gospel singing family, going to church every Sunday. And her voice became legendary in her community and people would show up just to hear her sing. Now, this is a young girl who's growing up in a church going community, singing gospel hymns. And her father sees her and her sister as having this talent. So he wants to foster that more. He puts them into an all-girl group, eight girls total. And now they're being asked to go on stages, entertain people with maybe provocative dance moves and singing maybe some provocative lyrics. Lyrics and moves that are different than her standing in front of the church, which is where she has honed her skills. And that honing of her skills is important because you start to develop an identity as to like, okay, well, this is what it's normally like to sing. I'm in front of people. They're waving back and forth. They're swimming back and forth and they're clapping and they're excited for me. Now I'm up on a big stage and I'm wearing different clothing and dancing differently and singing different lyrics. So for her, that was a challenge now because the way that she saw herself and the entertainer now were two different things. So she created Sasha Fierce. Sasha Fierce was the identity that she stepped into who embraced and loved the provocateur side of things, like gave it everything that she possibly could. And over the course of time, she even talked about, like there's so many times where she would get off stage and she's like, I had no recollection of even what I did out there. And really what she's describing is because she got into the zone and the flow state is actually what she did. And you know that as a baseball player, you found those moments or those games where you got into the zone and you, you come out of it and you're like, what the heck just happened? It's almost everything like slows down. Yeah. Everything slows down. Yeah. And actually, there's a reason biologically as to why that is, too. Yeah, so she's getting off stage, and she's like, you know, there's times where I'd be, like, bleeding. Like, I'd get a cut from, like, just being so, like, fierce out there. And I'd be like, where'd that cut come from? And she had no idea. So my point about saying that is she found her entertainer self by adopting this other identity that did allow her creative expression to come out unencumbered by the worry about what other people are going to think of her. You know, because as soon as you start worrying about what other people are thinking of you, now you're outcome focused. Now you're concerned about pleasing other people. In the book, I call it the outside in approach and it traps you. Now you wonder why. And the reason I say traps is because the most common word that's used when someone doesn't feel like they're performing to the level that they know they can, or they're avoiding pursuing something is you feel trapped because that isn't me. Like whatever results I'm getting is not a true expression of what my capabilities are. I'm fascinated by that stuff. Yeah. And some of it is because we need to build up some more skills. But for most people, it's not a lack of skill. It's a lack of using the 
creative genius that we've got between the sixes of our ears and our mindset is the thing that's trapping us. And so that's where I've been sitting for the last 22 years in working with whether it's athletes or public figures or entrepreneurs and executives on adopting different mindset, a different way of operating. And of course, just establishing new habits and routine, really rituals is what we care about more than routines to show up in a better way. So the ordinary world is where you're trapped. Yeah. That's where your mind is, you're thinking too much about what people think, your fear, all that. And then you create this extraordinary world by basically taking on a new persona, a new alter ego. Is that- yeah, the extraordinary world is something that happens because of you acting with more intention for how you want to be showing up. You're such a great example of this. You said, you know what? I take a look at this ballpark and this experience. And if people are just coming here to sit down and watch a ball game, that's going to be... of Savannah that's going to be that excited about baseball. But if I want to fill this statement, stadium, then I need to make this into an entertainment venue. Yeah, we turn into a circus. So you create your extraordinary world and you're a character in that extraordinary world. Well, the extraordinary world is something that happens because the reason I say extraordinary world is because your experience now is that because you've decided how you want to be showing up on this in this one field of play of your life. Yeah. And because you're intentional about that, it creates an extraordinary world for you because your experience is that, you know what? Like when you get to own, because you get to own all of the actual results because you decided it. Nothing's more frustrating to a golfer than when you step up to a ball and you're uncertain somewhat with the choice of club that you have. And any uncertainty is going to create tension and stress in the body. That tension and stress is not going to allow the elasticity and the muscle memory that's there to be fluid for you. And then what happens is you take your swing and the ball leaks a little bit to the left or it leaks to the right or it snap hooks or you skull it or whatever the case is. And that's terrible data. That doesn't tell you that you chose the wrong club. It's that it was a mindset thing. Well, the same thing happens. That's why people are experiencing an ordinary world is like, there's something that you can't identify as to what is holding you back from experiencing the results that you want. But in the extraordinary world, it's the opposite. It's you've unleashed or unshackled yourself from your own mental story narrative about what you think you can and can't do. You're not worried about what other people are thinking of you and the judgments and the doubts of what other people might have. And you're like, no, this is how I'm going to show up. It's like, that's why I love your story because you're unapologetically saying, hey, yeah, I'm the yellow tux guy. Deal with it. This is how I want to show up. <laughs> but again, there's still challenges. The exactly. mindset. A hundred that's what I want to get into. Like I still have challenges thinking yep. people think, well, it's crazy. So the fields of play and going into this, and I know we're further along. You went through this and you can share briefly how you got over your yep. fear of speaking and becoming Richard. But Beyonce. Yeah. Is she now Beyonce all the time? Is no. There, all right. So that's that's, so that's a challenge. It has it can't be twenty four seven, as you mentioned in no. the book. So explain to me the fields of play, because how often are you Richard versus Todd? And maybe explain how that became, because I think it's really interesting to know when you become this person and when does people expect this person all the time? Yeah. So we live in a world of context. And this is one of those things that I want to break for people is for the longest time, the world of personal development, the world of psychology specifically, and even the spiritual traditions had basically trotted out the idea that the people who were the healthiest mentally which meant that they had the lowest rates of depression or anxiety and stress disorders or or personality disorders were the ones who had one single identity that they acted through. One self that was, that they identified with and that's who they took into the world of work and career and husband and wife or whatever the case and in all the other areas. 
Well, my experience of working with people one-on-one, I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because I've got athletes who are an absolute beast on the field or on the court, but they don't act that way off the court. And I mean, and just to reconcile this with other people who are listening, you know, have you ever met a public figure, a celebrity, an entertainer, an athlete? And you're like, oh, you're walking around, that guy's a lot different than I thought he would be. And it's like, that right there should tell you that on the field of play of life, the narratives and the ideas and the paradigms that other people are trying out don't bear fruit. So like, I'm constantly paying attention. I feel like I'm very grateful for the way that I have now thought that become thinking, uh, came to think this way, that I question everything. I'm like, okay, but does that, the way that that person just said that on what it takes to be successful, does that reconcile with my experience of life? And the answer is no, it doesn't. So fields of play are important. So now the fastest growing field of psycho- psychological study is multiple self theory, which is now world of psychology has completely flipped itself. Now they say that the people who have the healthiest mental states, lower rates of depression, again, studies are, more studies are coming out about this, or disorders, see this as many roles, many identities that they live through based on the context of their life. So for me, there's the guy who wears the glasses. Really, I wear them now just for dress because I like wearing them, but I've got perfect vision. I've got 2015 vision. But when I first started out in business, I was terribly insecure about how young I looked. I was 21 years old, starting up this mental game coaching company, didn't have like nine letters behind my name with different degrees and didn't have three best-selling books. Again, we create all these rules about what it's going to take to be successful. But the reality was I was volunteering at a high school with a football team, and I was really good at coaching these guys on the mental game side of things just by accident because that was my strength. Their weakness wasn't that they weren't doing enough cone drills or sprints. Their weakness was their preparation, their routines, their goals that they were setting for themselves, their mental game, visualization skills, all things that I'd already developed. So I'd give them these strategies. And then people started asking me if I could mentor their sons and daughters. And I didn't think that it was a real business. But now it was starting to turn into a business and I was not doing the next thing, which was going on promoting myself and promoting the work that I was doing. I was insecure. I was caught up in like the worry of rejection and resistance and stuff. Well, that's not going to help you if you're starting a business because now you're on the field to play a business and it demands that your business needs a promoter, a salesperson. And most of us don't have the money to go and hire a promoter, a business or a salesperson or a business development officer or something like that. So I needed to turn into one. I used Geronimo on the football field and Geronimo was my alter ego that helped me step into this way more powerful version of myself inspired by some of my heroes in uh, the world of Native American lore and also football. And I was like, well, but Geronimo doesn't fit this identity. So I need to create a new one. And that's where I created Super Richard. Super Richard was a blend of Joseph Campbell, Benjamin Franklin, and Superman. Some of their qualities and traits that I just loved. And I'm talking about the Superman from the 1970s and 80s version, not the current versions of Superman that are out there. And then I went out and got a pair of glasses and I did the whole reverse Superman or reverse Clark Kent. So he put on those glasses to become Clark Kent, mild-mannered version. I put on the glasses to become Super Richard. And Super Richard was the guy who could make the phone calls and promote the work that Todd had created. That's, I mean, again, I'm peeling back the curtain. This is how people who operate at high levels actually think or what they play with. Because your ability to sidestep your own insecurities, your ability to sidestep yourself, you're the one who's going to stop you from doing most things, is the superpower. If you can develop that superpower, 
all bets are off with what you can do. I love it. You know, you think about talking about promotion, PT Barnum's one of my favorite quotes, something terrible happens without promotion. Nothing. Nothing. So, yeah. So that's the quote I always think about. Are you promoting? Are you out there doing it? So I want to get into some fun game, but briefly, I just, my question here is on the fields of play. Yeah. Because I still struggle with this. And I think you look at this, I was like, all right, first it was at the games. Then people wanted the speaking. So it became speaking. And I was putting it on when I was speaking, put on a show. And then it was at work because people want to come in the office stadium. You know, they want a picture. They want it like whatever. And I was like, all right, I'll be that guy. So whenever my field of play became anything that's work related, but there's, there's a blend in that. Like MMT, you know, that's kind of, you know, there's all these balances that I have. And then, you know, I love the field of play about the dad that you mentioned that he wasn't a great dad. So he started showing up and wearing the hat. I love that. So my question of you is like, is there ways that you can separate it better? Because yeah, yeah, little talks, I like being that person. But one of the most powerful quotes you said, the Shep Gordon was from Shep Gordon. If you allow that public figure to actually be you, you're never going to be happy. And that hit me like a scar. So I know this is getting deep, but maybe briefly, and then I want to bring this into team and some games. Yeah, so on that side of things is what I would encourage you on is recognizing that you are the yellow suit guy as much as the yellow suit guy is you. Like even super written. So the quote I love the most from that sort of encapsulates this whole, what happens is from Cary Grant, the Hollywood golden era actor, where he says, I pretended to be somebody I wanted to be. And I finally became that person or he became me. But at some point we met. And Cary Grant, who grew up in Bristol, England, poor family, single mom, but he had this deep desire to want to go out and make a name for himself and do something. And so he came to Hollywood and this is the guy who actually battled with mental health issues in his life, like depression and stuff. And at the end of his career, that's when he said that. And the only thing I would change about his quote, you know, based on the work that we do is, is not I pretended to be something, but I activated the person I wanted to become. In order, and I finally became that person. So it's you decided that this, and so this is a part of you. Yes. Now, to your point, yes. what I would do differently, and because I've worked with the military on this as well, yes. like military has this because uniforms do mean something, and you've taken this uniform and you've created this story around the uniform. Uniforms are powerful because they are triggering devices for activating performance, both in a negative and a positive way. You know, there's a big reason why the military has one of the highest rates of domestic violence and divorce rates. And that's because when they come home, some of them don't even take off the uniforms and they continue to act through the traits that would make them successful out there in a war zone type thing, right? Well, but it's not a war zone anymore. But even when they do take off the uniform, they haven't mentally switched off. And so what I, in the work that I've done with the military is to help them establish a new uniform that they step into at home, okay? And again, because the uniform has for 200 years been given meaning. It's got credo around it. There's a motto. There's all of this culture that's built around that uniform. Well, what about the uniform you got at home? It can't win that battle unless you give it that. Yes. That. So I talk about, yeah, I talk about the story of the colonel in the actual, in the book. It's actually on stage, I've talked a lot about a lot of stories, and, and I know that, of the all the stories I could ever talk about on stage, that story about the colonel who came up to me after talking to the uh, Army Rangers and uh, Green Berets at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, he that, that, that's one of the most powerful stories that I can tell about a guy who three months afterwards, after him almost tearing up outside of the uh, event space that I did the speech at, 
called me and said, hey, my wife is now, at, we're actually sleeping in the same bed, and my two young boys actually come to the door excited to see me when I come from work. And that was not a reality for me for more than two years. And it's all shifted and changed because I've shifted and changed how I show up at home. And so that's the idea of the fields of play is that, you know, even when I go home, I mean, I'm a challenger personality type in the way that I show up as a coach, advisor, mentor to the people because I I have to crack through some tough exteriors. And my mentor, who's the greatest guy in the mental game coaching world ever, he's actually, he's known as the Yoda of baseball. Harvey Dorfman, and he was my mentor. He wrote the book, Coaching the Mental Game, The Bible of the World. He was as tough as they come, and Roger Clemens would go to him, Andy Pettit, Craig Biggio, all the biggest names went to him, and he was a, that's who mentored me. We have to be tough, but that's not what my kids want. So it would be very easy after 10 hours of work of flexing that muscle of that side of myself to take that side home, right? Not all of what I am. I am more than that. I'm also, there's a patient side of me. It just doesn't get flexed as much. Yeah. Actually, I, I am very patient in the coaching work that I do because you have to be in order to uncover someone's world. But there's a playful side. There's creative side and all these different things. That's what my kids want. Yeah. So when I go home, there's very much an inspiration for who I would love to show up for my kids as a totem device that I would like to live into. And that's Mr. Rogers and my own dad. And so that's the inspiration for who I show up with at home. Now, these glasses don't get worn at home. I have a little bracelet that sits at the front door. It's on a hook. And when I go through the door, that little bracelet was made by my two little girls. And I put that on. And that bracelet embodies the traits that I want to show up as. And when I'm wearing that, the moment I put that on and I snap it, what snaps into place in my head is now Mr. Rogers and my dad show up in my mind. And they're the ones who sit there and just watch me as I go through the day to make sure that I'm honoring the way that I want to show up. Now, this might sound, and I mean, there's some people I know when I've unpacked this, they go, oh my God, that's brilliant or that's amazing. Or they go, I understand that, but that seems like work. It's like, yeah, that's the great thing is like all of the amazing stuff in life has the word work wrapped around it. But what I also encourage people with with this stuff is you've already used this. Every human being on the planet has already played with this idea because we all did it as kids. Yes. We played with these ideas, putting on the cape to be yeah. Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman or Black Panther, or whoever it is nowadays, or out in your front driveway and you're pretending to be your favorite baseball player or your favorite hockey player or whatever. And it's because you're acting, asking yourself the question, what could I do if, and that if statement is, if I wasn't four feet tall, if I wasn't the slowest kid on the block, if I wasn't white, black, Jewish, Catholic, Insert whatever you think is stopping you, but now you get to play it. And all of a sudden, your performance change. That's not you being fake. That's actually allowing yourself to see what you can do on shopping yourself from these stories that stop you. I love so, it. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's triggers. You talk about tons. Like, I'm thinking right now, like, I am working right here. I'm, I'm the yellow tux guy, but yeah. I'm at home because it's Thanksgiving week. So literally, if I go downstairs with Maverick, this comes off, I should have a yeah. trigger, and I am full dad mode. And I think that's just such a great lesson. So, so it's actually, what, if I was working, so just actually as a, as a lesson for other people, because you this, what you, this is still an answer to the challenge of the question you had earlier. I want to be mindful of that for the listener, is that you're saying, okay, like, but this persona, which is the promoter side of me, yes. and it shows up out in front of the crowd, what happens when I go to an event like, you know, Jesse and I both, are members of a great community, mastermind talks. You know, so what happens there? Or what happens when I'm in the office? Or what happens? So what I would say is yellow is the color that I would always use 
I just wouldn't use all of the entire uniform. Okay. So when I'm at the office, maybe it's a yellow blazer, but not the hat and the shirt and the pants. Mm-hmm. Someone comes in to get a photo of you. Maybe it's not, they don't get the full, they get the guy in the yellow blazer. Yeah, it's not just about a photo of me. It's, it's just no, there's people coming in for, yeah, it's, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. And so that's what I do, but like, it's like, that's the stage side of things. And that's, again, that's not you being weird. That's you saying, hey, this is how I want to lead my life. Yes. And if other people want to, and, and again, the way that you can judge me is based on the results that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's experience around Jesse Cole is that everyone walks away because I hear it happens all the time. I hear it happening all the time because we're at events together is people just, I love being around Jesse. So that, again, I'm saying this because that's the stuff that matters. That's what I grade things on. Again, yes. I'm a performance guy. Yes. Performance is about results. How can we get that result? And so one of the results that we want in life is people have a good experience of being around us. Well, so the way that you have created yourself is definitely producing that result because people walk away saying, I love being around Jesse. I love that guy. It just may be a little different in certain situations. So no, I, I appreciate yeah. it. I love it. All right, let's do it. I want to go in after the break, after our game. I want to go into how do you, after the break, how do we bring this into teams? Because I think there's yeah. some interesting ideas I want to share. So it's our first game. Truth and dare. Which one do you like first? Dare. Dare. Okay. This is what we do at our ballpark. It is a sing-off. 2,000 people in one grandstand versus 2,000 people in another grandstand. But today it's just you, Todd. We play a song. When the song finishes, you have to finish that song lyric. Wow. All right. Let's do it. And it's actually fitting with what we're talking about. So this actually works. You ready? Okay. Here we go. I'm looking for the man in the mirror. He's helping me to change the way. <laughs> so close. So this, so this is that was almost nailed. All right. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his way, and no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself. And just make, make the change. change. There you go. All right? There you go. The mirror. You nailed it, my friend. Nail, and, I, and I mean, I nailed the voice, too. I mean, it was really hard for other people probably to tell that you actually ended the song there. So, and I appreciate all the love that people are saying. <laughs> yes, they, they always, you get compared to Michael Jackson all the time. Um, oh, <laughs> man. You know, so actually on that, I actually, so I used to compete in singing competitions when I was a young kid. My brothers used to just, I used to go inside my sister's room. And uh, it was the Royal Conservatory of Music up in Canada. They had competitions across the country, and I used to do singing competitions. And I had this, like, very – because, again, before puberty, I just, like – I could hit, like, super – I could hit high notes, whatever. And then puberty hit, and I was like, oh, yeah, now I've got, like uh, – I've got about three notes that I can hit now. But, yeah, I used to take a beating from my brothers over that stuff, and I was like, ah, I don't care. I like it. Right, so thank you for giving me the opportunity you to you rekindle some of that spirit. So usually we finish with the dare. People does the truth first because the dare, truth's more serious, but we can do this quickly here. So okay. what's you've gone through this for many, many years, worked with so many people. What's one thing that's still holding you back with this and being your best self in the different fields of play of life? Me? Yes. Truth. Well, truthfully, it would be that because of some tough experiences that I had as a kid, trauma, I've also had to as well battle severe levels of depression throughout my life. So one thing that's important for people, and I mean, I'm actually going to be putting out a video because it's an important topic. There's nothing, there's no shame or there's guilt around that because depression is a biochemical thing. It's a broken brain in the moment. You know, like there's so much stigma that's around it. It's like if you break your arm, there's no stigma around having a broken arm. 
right? Well, if your brain just biochemically isn't operating to the level that it can, that's not on you. That's It feels like you because all of the processing about ourselves happens up here. And so one of the kind of emergency breaks that I've had to be challenged by that does sort of limit performance at moments is biochemical stuff that I've had to be challenged by with depression. So that's the truth. And again, as someone who works with a lot of top performing people, I see it as a recurring thing. And one of my biggest frustrations in the world of personal development and leadership is that everyone's like, oh, no, no, you just lack the desire or you just lack the ambition or you need to do more affirmations or visualizations. It's like, no, some people are just struggling with an actual biochemical stuff that's going on. And no amount of more workshops and goal setting or visualization techniques or whatever is going to help some people that are in the depths of it. And that's really important because now in the influencer culture of the world, everyone's a freaking expert on what it takes to succeed in life. And it's just, it's unfortunate because I think it's hurting many people and it causes you to doubt yourself when you really shouldn't be doubting yourself because it's not a you thing. It has nothing to do with your skills and abilities. It's actually just, it's your body. 100%. I love how fired up you get. So we went from literally singing to that and you kept the energy. It was very impressive, Todd. I like it. So I love, I love what, what I get, get to do. And so anyway, I love it. All right. So I want to go ahead and bring this back to teams. I heard an yeah. amazing podcast the other day about Trader Joe's and how Trader Joe's does what they do. It's on Freakonomics. And one of the people went undercover to actually work for Trader Joe's. And wow. I wanted to know how it happened. And he said the second day of training, an executive walked in and there were 50 people sitting together. And the executive said, all right, I'd, uh, who would like to tell me your name and a story about themselves? And 50 people just threw their hand up in the air. He goes, I was in this room like, what is this? I've never imagined that many people so extroverted that want to share a story in front of a whole group. And I thought about that and I was like, all right, that's why Trader Joe's brings so much energy and excitement to their grocery store experience. I, and I think many companies want that as part of their experience, their retail experience, our stadium. So the idea of there's so many introverts on stage, Todd, I often ask you, introverts, yeah. raise your hands and just nothing happens. All right. It's unbelievable. I'm thinking of all the introverts that work for us. How do you get them to channel this alter ego effect and really bring an energy yeah. and become potentially extroverts that's better for a customer? Well, the first thing you do is you let them know that, hey, once you walk through these gates, there's a new you that gets to show up. So first it starts with an invitation, okay? An invitation that this is what it means. This is what cult, This is actually what culture means. Because people talk about culture, but most people don't really have anything that's tactical and a tool to actually explain what it means. But culture is about inviting people into a new way that they can show up. So it's about giving them the allowance of having a new identity. So Trader Joe's, they do. They do a phenomenal job with their culture. A, one of the things that they do that actually helps to invite people in in an experience like a guy saying, hey, he's going to have a story, is Trader Joe's does a great job of telling people, you matter and your stories matter, your experiences matter. And our job at Trader Joe's is to give people maybe the one experience in their day that gives them joy. Okay? So yes, we are here and it looks like our business is selling consumer packaged goods and dry goods and fresh fruits and vegetables. But no, the wrapper around it is we're here to give people a joyful experience in their day, make their day a little bit better. And every single one of you is empowered to make that happen in your way, in so, your way. So how, so you, so you have a group of introverts and you, so it's, you set the tone. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. When you come in the gates, when you come in the office, but what's something like, is there exercises? Is there things that can happen to get them to understand, hey, we're turning it up a whole nother level here? Yeah, so it goes to uniform then. 
Okay. Okay. When you put this thing on, this is what this thing means. Just like it happens in the military. When you put on this Marine uniform, this is what Marines are. This is what we do. This is all, these are the stories of Marines that came before you and what they did. You're reinforcing that narrative and that story of what that uniform means. So when you put on the Savannah Bananas jacket, the apron, the hat, the whatever. So most people are just terribly non-deliberate with the uniform creation. Like I actually encourage more people to like really talk about that or create uniforms for people. That's why the whole myth of like, hey, you get to work from home in your pajamas. Well, here's what I know from a performance standpoint. You are going to under-index in life. The narrative and the story that's out there like, oh, no, I get to work from home and I'm my PJs. Here's what I know. If you woke up and you had you cloned yourself and the one person went and worked in their pajamas and the other person got dressed up into something that was going to be more representative of the work that they're doing, that person will outperform them 99.99% of the time. Okay? So for you, it's like, hey, this is what this apron means. Like when you put this on, here is what I want you to bring to that cash register, that pouring of the soda out of the thing. Like it doesn't matter. We do everything here with flair. So you want to come up with three specific terms that your culture is about. Three traits, three abilities. We're playful. We have flair and we have fun. Okay. Some other stadiums, they count the amount of time it takes for you to pour a soda. We don't do that. Okay. We don't count the time. What we count is the amount of smiles from people who walk away. We have cameras up there that look down. We've got this AI system that counts smiles. And right now we're over indexing by a factor of 45. Again, I'm just making it up, but that would be a fascinating thing. And so now it's counting traits and abilities to the outcome, which is the smile. Okay. So you go and you create the traits that you want, you start a uniform to do it. I think this is so powerful. I want to go some rapid fire here. You mentioned Saddleback is one of your favorite yeah. companies. Why? I love hearing about favorite businesses. So Saddleback Leather Company, they make, they started out by making this like amazing hand-sewn leather duffel bag, old school, big flaps and straps and everything. What I love about them is their about or their bio page and just their their brand itself is just so gritty, raw, in-your-face, phenomenal storytelling. It's impossible to not read about their bag and go, yeah, I would love to own that. And it's power of story, like kind of what we're talking about. It's the power of you know, what you've done. And anyway, yeah, and great bags too, phenomenal bags. I love it. All right, question time. If you want better answers in business, you got to ask better questions. What's one question that you're asking a lot of people that you work with? Who helped you to get where you are? Because I think that it's one of the most underappreciated parts of the journey towards success. If you take a look at any long-term study on the quality of someone's life and what they say as fulfillment, the only constant in every single study has been relationships, the quality of the relationships that I have. And so I am so fascinated by the people who will, A, admit that someone did help them, I started out in life where I was like, I'm going to climb to the top of the mountain. I'm going to plant the flag up there. I'm going to do it on my own so I can tell everyone that I did it. Ha, ha, ha. Or not ha, ha, ha. Even just like, I've got doubters, which is a lot of times just bullshit in your own head. I had a mentor that said, well, that's about the slowest and stupidest thing I've ever heard. Because when you take a look at anyone that's been successful, they've all surrounded themselves by phenomenal people. Because the moment you've got phenomenal people around you, you're within one phone call, one text message nowadays, one email of 
hundreds of people who can get you over the obstacle, around the challenge, open a door, come in the back window or whatever. And so I'm fascinated by finding out the who's that are behind other people. I love it. And I think it's something that all our speakers should share on stage too. You know, it's something I think about, like I mentioned the PT Barnum's, the Bill Beck, the Mike Beck yeah. and all those people. I think it's so important because it brings humility and also shows that, hey, no one's self-made. Which I would no. absolutely love. No, self-made is the most forward. I mean, it's, it's such a bullshit. There's, there's no such thing as self-made. It's impossible for you to be self-made because even from the very beginning, you were made by two people. So kind of impossible. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's finish our final four here, Todd. What's one thing that you've done to stand out in business and in life? One thing I've done to stand out in business and life is... Uh, what command thing that comes to mind? I'm sure there's things that have uh, really led you to... Obviously, the alter ego has been huge, but what else? Yeah, I would say it's probably my willingness to be very real with people. So there's going to be people who are more popular than me, but that's because they spit out a lot more cotton candy and bubblegum type fluff. And I'm more about giving people meat and potatoes and kale. Like cotton candy is going to taste good in the moment, but it's not going to satiate the appetite. And so where that stands out for me then is I attract in typically the top performing people. Because average people, they want to try to find the easy path. Top performers, they know that they're looking for effort and hard work because they know on the other side of effort and hard work is a better version of themselves and more valuable stuff. And so that's probably been the one thing that I've probably made the difference for me. And so if you were to give advice to someone younger to stand yeah. out in business and in life, what would you say? I would say go and be an apprentice. Be humble and be modest enough to know that you don't know your stuff. You've got a taste for it. You've got a desire for it but you don't have the skills yet. And I can tell you that if you want a greased slide to success, if you want to get there faster than you're trying to do it on your own, go and tuck yourself under the wing of the person who's the absolute best at that thing. Don't look for someone who's just doing it. No, no, no. If you want to be a phenomenal lawyer, find the best lawyer and tuck yourself underneath their wing. Like there's just, that whole world has been lost, apprenticeship. And it's been a big part of my journey. Internships are everything for us. Tell them, get more internships, learn from good people. So final yeah. two here, you've got a lot of mentors. What's some of the best advice you've received from a mentor? So the best advice I got from Harvey Dorfman was our job is to hold up a mirror and show people exactly what they're doing in the moment. So most people will over-index or under-index how good they are. Some people will overestimate or underestimate. And our job is to hold up the mirror, show them the actual data, and then lead them past that to a better possibility. Second one from my dad was we were standing in the corrals one day, cutting some cattle right before I was going off to university, moving the calves into one pen and the cows in the other. And we stopped for a little soda or pop break for the Canadians that are listening. He's like, uh, you see that piece of cow shit over there? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, you can take a piece of cow shit, wrap it in a red ribbon, but it's still a piece of cow shit. <laughs> and then he walked away. And all he knew, he knew that I was going to be traveling around the world and I wasn't going to be farm kid or anything like that anymore. His sort of advice was more around, you know, you're going to meet a lot of people in three-piece suits. Just make sure that they're not wrapped around a piece of <laughs> Great advice. Okay, final one. Final one, Todd. How do you want to be remembered? I don't know. Recently, but legacy. And Nelson Mandela had a really great quote around legacy. My, my concern isn't about how I'm remembered later. That's for everyone else to talk about. What I want to do is really important stuff that helps as many people as I possibly can. So if people remember me for that, then great. But that's what I care about. And today they may remember you for your Michael Jackson singing. So there's a lot that can come from the show today. <laughs> well, uh, if I brought a smile to your face on that one, then great. <laughs> you did it, my friend. Todd, thank you so much for being with me. Seriously, 
get the book. All right. Don't maybe get the book. Don't hopefully get the book. Alter Ego Effect. It was a game changer for me. I learned about it many years ago and he's preaching. Yeah. And he tells you how to do it. So Todd, thank you so much for being with us, man. Yeah. And I mean, catch me online. I mean, ToddHerman.me is my website. So all the links to my socials are there and tag me if you got questions. Love to hear from you. Rockstar, man. Seriously. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And that standing out is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered on this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.